0: It's March 26, 2017. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living Radio Show, where progressives for change present opinions that matter. Tonight we're joined by co-hosts Jeff Brown and David Fillion. I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. Please remember, good leadership is never about power and control, but rather for the honor and privilege of serving the members in the interest of the membership. Having said that, we certainly hope everyone stayed safe and enjoyed this past week. We have a few announcements. First announcement, yesterday, March 25th, 2017, was the anniversary of the 1911 Triangle Shirt Factory fire. Let us observe a moment of silence for those fallen workers who have made it better for workers of today. Thank you. Our second announcement, also yesterday, was the, sec- the 60th anniversary of the Treaty of Rome, an agreement between six European countries that eventually became the European Union. The backstory on that is Brexit... There's been a gentleman's agreement, obviously, not to do anything before that anniversary celebration, in, I believe, in Rome. So we can expect some more out of Europe regarding Brexit and Article 50 of the European Union uh, in the coming week. So watch that. Announcement number three, Caterpillar members are voting today on their tentative agreement, the voting will be between 1 p.m. and 6 p.m. central time that concludes at 7 p.m. eastern time. Local Union President Local Union 974 President Randy Smith said, "At the end of the day, the membership is going to speak and that's all I care about." The results are expected to be announced, announced sometime later this evening. And when we find out, we'll if it comes Uh, to be announced before the end of the show. We have somebody watching, and we will uh, get that out for all the listeners. Announcement number four, it's become public that FCA is currently for sale and that a Volkswagen purchase is being discussed. Announcement number five, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce is going back to court in an attempt to stop the first-of-its-kind law in Seattle that lets drivers for ride-hailing companies like Uber decide if they want to bargain collectively. Sixth, on a more positive note, (laughs) conversations on the campuses of Google, Facebook, and other tech giants in Silicon Valley are pushing the possibility that labor gurus once thought improbable. It seems that hundreds of engineers and other technical professionals are actually talking about unionizing. Dennis, please do not screw this one up before we get there. Announcement number seven. There are going to be some layoff assistance programs for the Lansing, Michigan workers. For more details, please visit our Working for a Living Facebook page. On to email. Email. First email is, my question is addressed to Jeff. I was amazed to hear that a physical fight broke out at Jeff's local union meeting. Jeff, what is being done about this? And that's from Deborah in Texas. Uh, let's just say that Jeff was going to address that later in the show, uh, and he'll answer your question then, Debra. How's that? Uh, email number two, I really enjoyed Dan's report last week. Very enlightening. And somewhat scary, not only for you Americans, but also the implications for the rest of us around the rest rest of us in the world. Uh, that's from Robert in Norway. Thank you for that, Robert. Uh, everybody, we got a lot of feedback uh, in uh, other ways about uh, Dan's report last week. Everybody enjoyed that report. They complimented the show, and in, uh, in many. Uh, ways and especially Dan's report and Jeff's report actually um, I, I didn't get many but that's okay I have broad shoulders <laughs> Up uh, this week in, uh, in uh, worker news is next um, first uh, we will have this week's quote as March is National Women's History Month it is only fitting to have another quote from a famous woman Thus, this week's quote is, I'm not afraid of storms, for I am learning how to sail my ship. That's from Louisa May Alcott. Here is a little more about the person behind this week's quote. Louisa May Alcott was an American novelist and poet, best known for her novel Little Women and its sequels Little Men and Joe's Boys. She was born on... November 29, 1832, in Germantown, Pennsylvania, to Amos Bronson, an educator, and Abby May, a social worker. She had two younger sisters, Elizabeth and Abigail, and one older sister, Anna. The body of work from Miss Alcott has left a lasting impression on all, not only our country, but the world. Team Working for a Living expresses our thanks. For the legacy Louisa May Alcott left us all and added thanks to all of the women who aspired to follow her trailblazing footsteps. A heartfelt thank, thank you to all of those women who aspire to be writers like Louisa May Alcott. Uh, let's bring on our co-hosts, Jeff Brown and Dave Fillian. Jeff, uh, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. Roy, how are you? Decent. I was a little busy right? uh, leading into 7 o'clock. We're watching the Caterpillar stuff, and we had a number of late items come in. So um, uh, that's why we were about 30 to 45 seconds late getting off here. Uh, having said that, uh, you know, it's do, doing pretty good around here. Been pretty busy. Uh, as you know, there's lots going on, and that'll come out in, in your report, and I hope you can. Answer Deborah's question to you in, in your report, Jeff.
1: Well oh, I can.
0: Okay. I all can right. David, you there? Yeah, how yeah. you doing all right, hey, Jeff? Hey Dave. Hey Jeff. Doing pretty good. How are you feeling, David?
2: Um pretty weak, but I'm planning to become productive this
0: week. Um I know it's been been a tough couple of weeks for you, maybe longer than that. With this flu, it's just got a hold of you and won't let go let go, so three weeks already, yeah, okay time uh, so, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I just think we're all hoping to see the end for you uh as far as your uh, your illness goes that is uh okay, let's uh hand this off to Jeff and Jeff, you want to start your report then?
1: Yeah, to answer the young lady's question, there was a physical uh, exchange last week at my meeting meeting. It was very heated and emotional from both sides. Our local president failed to um, conduct a peaceful meeting. He took no action in in stopping the uh, physical attacks um, it was created by our sergeant at arms, who stands about six foot five, six foot eight, somewhere. And he threatened to throw out one of our members sitting in the front row. And the gentleman next to him, who was my friend, said, that If he goes, we all go. And he stood up, and by the time I got to there, everybody in the back of the room, getting to it, and they started going off <laughs> arms. Um, I do have to say it was the worst meeting uh, I've ever attended in my life. There were little kids in the room, and it was very uncalled for. Um, on Monday when we all went to work, most of my coworkers had heard about it, but they didn't know the whole story. We are, myself and my friend, are bringing the sergeant-at-arms and our local president upon charges of unbecoming a reading member. Um, neither one of them did their jobs the proper way in, during the fiasco. Um, so that's what we're doing there. We are serving Article 31 charges against these two guys. Um, it'll be my second Article 31 charge in the last month that i um, We did claim a major victory on Friday. Uh, there was some appeals put in about our elections. Our president tried to pull a fast one over and have the election in April. He got permission from the international without the approval of the membership. So that is a requirement. The Constitution says all uh, elections will be held in the month of May or June. And so he violated the Constitution. He violated our bylaws, where he was supposed to report back to the executive board and the membership of, of his activities during each during one. He failed to do that. The executive board made the minutes showed nothing about our election uh, conversation. Um, We, there was four or five appeals on this subject. One was from myself, the other one was from the election committee. On Monday, our original servicing rep, who was a close friend to my president, ruled that uh, the election committee's appeal had no grounds. Friday they came down, international upheld the, uh, uh, the appeal of the election committee. So it was a major victory for us. Now, but we have to start the whole election process all over again nominations and everything, um, which is good because our president has. As uh, Leroy stated in the opening address, it's about um, the leadership is never about power and control, but rather than the honor and privilege, of service, and humanity. membership. Well, my president is about power and control. Once told me he always dots his eyes and crosses his keys. But he should have looked up to the dictionary and which letter goes where because I research things and I know a lot of things from being in the plant 29 years and also started our union when we first opened. Um, so we are having an emergency meeting just coming Sunday, April 1st to hear the election committee's recommendation on dates and times and places of our elections. I, I seriously doubt that um, our president will get reelected. I seriously doubt that the Sergeant-at-Arms will be reelected. We have several members of team working for a living, running for positions in our local and I have to be very proud of that because they are catching on. Membership is catching on. I have been asked to run for first vice president. I'm 90% sure I'm going to take it because the person who has it now is not doing anything. So, but we do accept it as a major victory. 14 working for a living and the the caucus that's going to try to take control of of our local business. Deborah, that's the the gist of it all. Um, I could tell you more next Sunday when we have, after we get off of our um, special meeting, and and, um, tell you when our times and dates for elections are. And hopefully I'll have some much better news to report. But at this time, um, I'm feeling pretty good to be, to be a part of what transpired over the last two months. Um, some people were getting tired of the, the control, the corruption going on in that Union hall by our elected officials there. And they contacted me for help. And they know I don't back down from anybody, and we went full speed into it. And uh, we came to victory for it. And um, it's a good feeling to be on the winning side. That's about all I got, Leroy.
0: I'll
1: tell you guys more next Sunday after
0: our meeting. Well, thank you, Jeff. And let me just summarize a little bit. There was some totalitarian mindset in your local union that they could do exactly what they want to do without a lot of protocol being followed. They wanted to pull the uh, election to be, to be in April as opposed to what's provided for in the Constitution in May or June. That's possible with the uh, approval of the international and approval of prior approval of the membership, requesting such action, they didn't follow all of that, and now you're because of your appeals that they didn't follow it, and in Article 31 that uh, the president didn't do his job in this matter. Uh, you are now having a special uh, emergency meeting of a membership on April 1st, and you'll have to go through the entire process yet again of nominations and then set the election properly in May or in June so that that can be conducted right. properly. That's everything that's happened, right?
1: That's, that's correctly right.
0: Okay. That's I wonder.
1: what have done in the first place.
0: Yeah. It should have been done correctly in the first place. I want to congratulate you, your team that you've built there in your local, and everyone in the membership of your local union that said enough, that finally said enough. This is our union. And the message to each and every elected official from top to bottom with your successful outcome in your both in your local union, the message to everyone is this is our union, the membership's union, and we're taking it back. It's going to be run according to the rules, regulations, and laws of our country as it's supposed to be run. And not by the seat of our pants because we have a totalitarian mindset. Because somebody does. It's our union. It's the membership's union. And don't you ever forget that. Leadership. Top to bottom. Take note of what happened at Jeff's Local. And more to come. They're tired of you and what you've been doing to us. That's all I have on your report, Jeff. Uh, David, do you have anything to ask ask or add to Jeff's report?
3: Um,
2: A lot of times these things happen in our local unions because of the fear factor. And the UAW really does present fear and use it against workers. We've heard it time and time again from many members. Atrocious things happening to them inside of the facilities. They're too afraid to speak up. Those times have to end. Um, You don't have to speak up by name. Nobody's going to put your name out there. If you need help, for God's sakes, put put the problem out there. There's a way to contact us. You'll get help. Here doesn't have to rule this union any longer. It's gone on long enough. And Leroy's right. This union belongs to the members, not those not the totalitarian folks on Jefferson Avenue who allow this stuff to filter down to our locals. That's all I have to say, Leroy.
0: Okay, thank you. David uh, Jeff, do you have anything to add behind
1: all that? uh yeah, I mean they've hit it on the spot now we're, we're, this team a year from now will be going after the uh leadership of our national international union, and they know what's coming after them their incompetence of of uh, supporting our membership is the reason why we are doing this. They no longer represent the membership. They more represent the company. And that is unacceptable. Now, that's not what our grandfathers fought for. Not not what Walter Luther fought for. And many other leaders back in those days. Um, We will be victorious next next fall, next summer rather at the next convention we have the power of the people behind us I know people from around the country in different plants and they are all saying the very same thing they don't trust the international union they don't work for us etc. we have the support of the membership Dennis Williams Jimmy Settles You guys do not have the support of the membership. And you know we're coming after you. The membership are behind us, not you. So be put on notice, as we've said before in the past. We are coming. And nothing's going to stop us. We are that light at the end of the tunnel coming at you. And it's a train and we're coming full speed ahead. Our our group is growing. Our Facebook group is growing fast. And I'm very proud to see the new members of our group start posting things and making comments. We are achieving our goals day by day. And it's an honor. I just, it just really makes me glad to see that the people really care, and they're finally starting to speak up on our page. Keep it up, folks. We did this page for you. We are doing this for you. So that's all I got there, right.
0: Thank you, Jeff. And to add to that just a little bit, we, you know, we had some folks uh, sharing this radio show, and they wondered why they couldn't share it from our page because our page is private and as a protection for members that want to say, you know, which respectfully say what they choose to without reprisals. And it is nice to see the, the uh, folks beginning to share the show more and more and saying different things. I, I concur with you wholeheartedly, Jeff. I mean, the the team is growing. the, uh, the supporters are growing, and uh, you know this is this is a beautiful thing that's happening right before our eyes. We aspire to make our union great again. We really do. Each and every one that comes into the the supporter group or the leadership team has in their soul, in their Fiber, every cell in their brain wanting to make things better yet again. We look at corporations making billions of dollars after chucking everything away that they could in squirrel holes where they didn't have to report it, and then they're still forced to report almost $10 billion in profits. It's just amazing. So... Uh, I'll I'll leave it at that right now. But it's it's uh, it's just simply got to change. You know, there's a number of things, and they're coming out. You know, the 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 temporary issue has just gotten out of control. It's just simply wrong what they're doing to these people. So, in the retirees, the tier ones, just it's just just not acceptable. Period. In the face of how they're running these corporations, management. So. With that um David I know you have a report for us. Uh are you ready to kick yeah. that off? I was
2: I was actually able to speak with a, a member um who will remain nameless. Um report this week comes um out of Illinois Belvedere assembly plant. Um they're wrapping up a three hundred and fifty million dollar retooling um project out there. And uh, very shortly, production will be moving there. Um, they got uh, roughly nah, 4,500 employees out there. Um, 300 of those are set to be new hires. We know they're not really hires. They're temporaries. Um, and uh, also, um, the idea behind this mold was to increase the footprint of uh the Jeep brand, and uh, they were selling somewhere around 1.4 million vehicles, and they hope to move that footprint up globally to 3 million vehicles a year. Um, and the Belvedere plant um, will be um, part of that goal. Um, so, in this uh, process of retooling, it, they've done a lot of things that I've seen in the past, um, we actually viewed some photos of these. Um, they put them down there. Um, their new assembly line will have skillet in there. A lot of plants have these. Um, they raise and lower. Um, the vehicle as the vehicle most through production. That way a party doesn't have to bend and stoop um, to get to, you know, part of the car he's trying to work on causing back injuries. So these are some good ergonomics. I'm glad to see that they're incorporating that um, into their facility. You know, so some good things there for the workers. Some bad things for the workers there. And I've actually went through a process like this myself before. Um, they're telling the workers that they are empowered. They're the most important people who work here. The production workers You're empowered To improve yourselves And help us Eliminate waste Well, 300 of those workers Have an invisible W Stamped on their forehead That's my opinion um, Competitiveness is being Speaking of And uh, continuous improvement These are all written into our um, contracts and approved by the UAW. UAW members aren't in the business of keeping corporations competitive. That's the companies. They own it all. It's in the management's rights clause of every local or every union contract. The only thing that our employees are responsible for is their job assignment. What's written on paper? Don't do any more than that. Nobody has to jump a car. And please, for God's sakes, if you see something that would help the company cut somebody's job, keep your mouth shut. Don't tell nobody. We'll figure it out soon enough. The plant today came from, um, it was brand new in 2001. That's when we went into it. They told our workers there the same dog and pony show. You're the most important people that work here. Well, they soon found out that paragraph 8 exists, and they do not own anything at all, nothing at all. They owned the right to sit in a chair and be disciplined, and many of them found that out quick. But what ended up happening, sometimes they would increase the line speed and, and derate the line speed. First thing that would happen to you is, now well, we're going to slow the line down. And uh, they pluck out a bunch of job segments and uh, distribute the elements to the rest of the poor folks. And once they had these folks running in real time, um, they speed the line back up again. Well, oh, happy days. We're selling more cars. There was no data to ever point to that there was a reason to downrate in the first place. And then once the folks are running in real time for about three months, we got bad times again. We're a slow line down. Post more people back out. then speed line back up again. Seen that process played out three or four times in one, one fiscal year. A lot of people plucked out of the system. A lot of people running in real time. Injuries, carpal tunnel. Union standing there Watching it all happen The chairmen are You know All into this process It's all written out for them in the national agreement
3: Under competitiveness
2: This is supposed to be what's to, to happen If we want to keep a product here Um We've got lot of our workers suffer So This is um, kind of what's going on Um Still Um And from talking to this worker, I don't see any difference out there, Belvedere, than I've seen in Lansing, Michigan. Um, So if you can keep your eye on your own job and only do what you're expected to do and nothing other than that, that's probably the best thing to do to help save jobs and keep those 300 workers on their jobs. Um, by the way, when we were doing all of these d rates and increases and plucking members out of the line, the bingo board hanging over the center of the aisle said 85% first-time quality off the end of the line. We all know whose fault that is, don't we? Not the workers, the plant manager. So that's my report tonight, Larry.
0: Thank you, David. Uh, Jeff, do you have anything to add to David's report?
1: No, David's absolutely right. Um, every year, each plant has a 3% head cut reduction to meet. Um, they slow the line down, they take out a head, and they succeed the line back up, and then you put that person back in place. So David is exactly right. There's ways that you can reduce waste in the plant uh, people are not considered waste. They are a resource. There is waste to be found and to be taken care of that will reduce the cost of running the plant. Uh, I know this because I ran a, a lean manufacturing
0: program in my plant
1: for six years. And as a former basic rest, I had to fight these landscapes, And I still fight them. So... He, he, David's right on people need to understand that um, especially the new folks so, good job David
0: yes great great work David um, and it, you know it's, it's nice that they're getting this new work over there but you really have to be caution have, have caution in uh, the things that surround it so having said that. Um we have a caller uh that's uh in the the switchboard tonight and I believe uh he's expressed an interest to speak to the issue of uh healthcare uh this evening on our on our show. Uh Dan are you there? Hello Dan Hello and oh, sorry wel- I got welcome. Oh, welcome to the show tonight. Uh, you, you expressed an interest in wanting to talk about health care?:
3: Yes, uh, concerning what's going on here, remember my report on genetics testing last week. That genetic testing bill was uh, to help fortify the GOP health plan. That was specifically drawn up to try to shift costs. Now, when I saw the health plan that the GOP proposed having an insurance background, I looked at that, and the red flags and outrage automatically popped up. Fully understanding the repercussions and what they were trying to pass off as health coverage, I thought, no, nah, we have to do something about it. This was an abomination of a health care plan. This wasn't a health plan, it was just a tax bill shrouded in a tax, or a, health care bill so what i wanted to do was and as we discussed break this down into segments so people can truly understand and they'll see why i was so outraged once they understand when you compare obamacare to the gop health plan and the viciousness and the brutality and harshness of what they were trying to do and who would be the winners and who would be the losers but to simplify it I wanted to break it up into segments, understand some of the history of their arguments on why Obamacare is failing, and put out the information so people know exactly who's responsible and why it's failing or having problems, and what exactly was behind each and every one of their supposed coverage on their proposals and the impact it would have on the American people. So what I'd like to do is go ahead and start off my report. Uh <laughs> again, I I want to break this up in a few segments so people could understand it in layman's terms. You know, when you get into all the legalese and understanding how insurance works and the prima facie arguments or basis behind changes or whatever, uh you need to understand what the basic coverages are and what eliminating the eliminating the coverage or barring whatever. Uh, it has a major impact on everyone's health care. This bill was not just for people in the exchanges. This bill would have become the law of the land, and everyone would have been subject to it. So let me begin. Now, for information, the GOP had scheduled three votes on three proposed health care bills and couldn't agree on a bill within their own party. Moderate Republicans felt the bills went too far and were far too harsh. The Tea Party Freedom Caucus refused to agree on anything but repeal, finally resulting in the bill being pulled from voting just before their last scheduled vote. But it's not over yet. The GOP has made it very clear that they will use rules and regulations to kill Obamacare by the end of 2017. From Obamacare's creation, the GOP has tried to destroy it with over 60 meaningless votes to repeal, and lawsuits challenging funding provisions to kill it. So we have to ask, what went wrong with Obamacare, prices, co-pays, and deductibles? I have one name for you, Marco, Marco Rubio. Remember Marco Rubio, Rubio during the primaries and everyone looks at, who is this young senator?
0: You know, we know he
3: doesn't attend uh, the congressional voting or meetings. So why is he suddenly this up-and-coming rising star? Well, I'm going to tell you why. Marco Rubio quietly and without notice inserted a poison pill provision into the uh, Obamacare legislation. Rubio's provision barred the Department of Health and Human Services from reimbursing insurers in the exchanges Pushing the plan into a shortfall of funding. For Obamacare to work, the administration established a risk quarter program to help insurers that lost money in the first three years of the plan. Profitable insurers would pay some of their profits into a pool to help unprofitable insurers. If the amount exceeded what the companies paid into the pool, the government would make up the differences. With subsidies. In 2014, insurers lost $2.9 billion, more than expected. But insurers had only paid $362 million into the program pool, leaving the pool $2.5 billion short. Rubio's poison pill provision created chaos. Under Rubio's bill, the government was only allowed to pay 13 cents on the dollar
0: to reimburse
3: the insurers. Rubio's bill caused over 50% of all exchange insurers to pull out of the exchanges, and many insurers had to close their doors. Rubio's bill violated their contracts, so they pulled out of the exchanges. Rubio's bill slowly destroyed a major part of the funding of Obamacare, resulting in the decimation of participating in the exchange, creating fewer insurers, higher premiums, co-pays, and deductibles. The GOP proclaimed that Obamacare was doomed from the start, a bad, unsustainable bill that hurt all Americans. In fact, it was Marco Rubio's bill that did the most damage to Obamacare, making Rubio an up-and-coming hero to conservatives in the GOP. Let's address the GOP's repeated lies concerning two major health insurers, Aetna and Humana. The GOP reportedly points to their announcement to drop out of the exchanges with a lie that their companies pulled out because of Obamacare, that it was an unsustainable disaster. Untrue. The true reason for their pulling out was retaliation. Aetna and Humana had applied for a $37 billion merger that was denied due to antitrust monopoly regulations. The GOP health care bill was a tax bill shrouded in the guise of a health care bill. Had this bill passed, the top 2% would have received a minimum $200,000 tax present. $600 billion would have given the top 2%, the insurers, the CEOs, the executives, big pharma, medical durable medical durable goods corporations a tax present and shift costs to customers and their families, higher premiums, deductibles, co pays, and little coverage. The Trump Ryan Care bill would have eliminated the ten essential services of which we will discuss on April second, seven PM, on working for a living. Though these eliminations of coverages would apply to everyone, not just the insured in the exchanges. Everyone. Insurers would no longer by law have to offer any of the ten health care essentials. This would have had included everyone not in the exchanges. Insurers would not only be no longer by law obligated to offer and sell the essential coverage services, they would have the legal right to cancel current policyholders' coverages. Now let's discuss the selling of insurance across state lines, another big lie. If you remember, this was held out as a carrot. Pass this bill and we got this and it's going to do great things. Cheaper prices, broader coverage, and more uh, choice. Uh, The GOP talking points was that they had a three-pronged plan to provide better coverage and prices, and their future plan to allow the purchase of coverage across state lines was a magic bullet. That would come later. Well, let's be clear. There is no law prohibiting the sale of coverage across state lines. Again, I say, there is no law prohibiting the sale of coverage across state lines. All insurance is based, formulated, and priced using risk and loss experience based upon your zip code area within each state. Okay, so sorry, I'm trying to correct myself. Okay. I was angered about what I've learned, and you will be outraged when you hear our detailed breakdown of Obamacare versus the pro- proposed Trump Care proposals. The provision coverages. And who wins and who loses had this abomination, a ripoff of the American people, been passed. The GOP leadership are televising openly that they have been and will continue to destroy the the Affordable Care Act, proudly announcing that HHS Secretary Price is enacting rules and regulations to sabotage and kill the Affordable Care Act. I said here earlier today, watching this and I could not believe the arrogance the stupidity of openly televising by most of the GOP leadership that spoke on it today including President or Vice President Price or bragging that HHS Secretary Tom Price was already working at killing Obamacare with rules and regulations so with that I again want to remind people Listen in next week, Sunday, April 2nd, and we'll discuss the point-by-point coverages, the motivations behind them, and the final impact of how they would have impacted everyone in this country. And that's the end of my report.
0: Thank you, Dan. You did a nice job on that. Again, we really appreciate that. Uh, Jeff, do you have any uh Comments uh, to Dan's report?
1: No, he did a good job. I see uh, Trump is very upset with uh, some of the GOP leaders in the House and Senate this weekend because of uh, his plan got voted down. Uh, so, Dan did a good job. Thank you, to Dan. Yeah.
0: David, do you have anything for Dan? No. Well, he did a
2: great job on that. Um, Dan always does a good job on anything that he puts his hands on. Really smart guy. Um, look forward to next week and uh, going over the points.
0: Right, me too. Let me tell you, you know, we've we've uh, uh, heard uh, some of those points already, and Uh, the uh, listeners really need to stay tuned into this because this is uh, spot on. It's uh, going on right now. It's contemporary. And these are things that are going to affect everyone in our nation. Uh, Dan alluded to the fact that Working for a Living is pushing now for Medicare to be the provider for every person in the United States. Everybody have Medicare. On cap, uh, the uh, cap for uh, limit, limitation on monies that uh, get paid, if the average working person in our country has to pay 100% into Social Security, why shouldn't everybody have to pay in 100% to, their social, to Social Security, regardless of how they m- may or may not benefit? Because the well-being of the country is at risk here. It really is. The well-being of the health and welfare of every person in the country is at risk, and it's time for everybody to shoulder the fees and costs of health care. And Dan will get into a number of those benefits and the elements of all of this uh, in his uh, series that he's putting on for us here. It didn't start out that way, but it's turning into that, and I'm, I'm real happy about it. So. Uh, Thank you, Dan. I I think you did another uh, amazing job. Uh, Do you have anything to say to uh, Jeff or David uh, on their reports this evening? Dan, do you have anything to add beyond your own report? No, I I found their reports informative.
3: Uh, You know, I experienced and fought many of these same issues when I was still actively working within General Motors, and I see they're getting far worse. And we have a young generation. It's up to old-timers like myself who's worked in the bargaining committees and held numerous positions, elected positions and maintained their independence free from the slates. And until we get more young people involved to do just that, become educated, stand your ground, learn how to defend yourself, know the rules, know the law, know your contracts, this won't change unless you do those things. So I implore everyone to do that. We're here to support you and help you and answer questions for you, and we want to see you become successful too. It's your job. You live there. You spend half your life in that place, those places, and you deserve some respect and fairness. And that's all I have to say.
0: Okay. Thank you, Dan. Well, I can support that. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff's supporting that. I know, and I know I support it. Yeah. Uh absolutely. Yeah. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. And to reiterate what David said, our email address is working for a at working for a living. And you, if you have a problem, a serious problem, that you it's not a gripe, but, but a grievance, or a problem with your local union leadership or your staff leadership, service and staff, you get it in writing and get it to us, working for a living at workingforaliving.com. We're not going to out <laughs> you. We're not going to put you out on Front Street, but we will help to give you direction. Somebody will get back with you, and we will help to give you direction on how to you know, fix your problem. We have a lot of experience in our leadership team, believe me. And you don't see them all on this show. there's a lot of them, and to Dan's point about the younger people, there are a number of younger people that are supporting our caucus that are out there in the local unions right now, and they're they're really looking for us to be successful, so they too can have the opportunity like we did when we were coming up and enjoying you know money that that they they haven't seen in decades so. Uh, Having said that, uh, well, thank you, thank you, Dan. Uh, f- for now, I'll put you back in listen mode. Uh, if you have anything you want to add, because I'm going to get my report now, uh, and I'm going to be brief, but it's, it's interesting. If you have anything you want to add, uh, just press one, Dan. Thank you. Okay, thanks. Thanks again. Uh, so, uh, uh, my report uh, tonight. Uh, revolves around uh, two issues. Uh, One is the uh, passing of SJ Resolution 27. This puts the lives of workers and their well-being at great risk. You see SJ Resolution 27 and passed the Senate. And what it allows is that for employers to destroy their Occupational Safety and Health Administration records after just six months. Destroy the records. Can you imagine that? So uh, that's problematic for a number of reasons. The first one is that OSHA, that's uh, Occupational Safety and Health Administration, typically called OSHA. Some of you may have heard of it. Others maybe not. But uh, it, they're understaffed. They don't have enough folks. there. They can't get to every workplace in the country in a century, let alone every couple of years, just because of the nature of their, their staff. So they do rely on the reports that come in to them from the, the companies that are out there, in particular recordable injuries and accidents. And when they don't have histor- accurate and historical data, then they can't make an assessment as to a particular facility employer having a problem with their administration of their safety program. And because this passed and now they don't have to do that, even the most ethical of companies can have the ability to destroy their records. And over time, any and all available data will not be sufficient to identify safety problems due to historic injury. So what that means is let's just say you were working in a cylinder head department. And in the cylinder head department there were accidents all the time. And people were getting cut and lacerations because of the sharpness of the edges of, of this and they weren't wearing the proper gloves and indoors Sleeves, or they were using their tools incorrectly and getting uh, little chips bouncing up into their eye from the, the either from the tool itself or from the cast iron from the sonar uh, head they were working on. That wouldn't show up unless you had a historical record. If it just happens and you get two, two of them in the course of six months. Well, you know, they might say, oh, it's not such a big deal. But if you had 20 in the course of five years, then it becomes a big deal. Somebody's, somebody's got a real problem. you got to get the equipment or the uh, safety protective gear or just the processes to be corrected so that these no longer occur or are reduced to a dramatic uh, end. So they're not happening as often. Accidents do happen. You know, we all know that occasionally something happens. We want to reduce those every possible chance we have the opportunity to. And this bill, without historical data, hurt everyday working men and women. And this is, this is a very, very bad thing to have occurred. And this is occurring Under the current political environment, I want you to pay attention to what's going on. You see, when I posted this, and I posted it throughout the week, and I'm talking about it because I feel strongly about it. In the post, at the head of the post, I said, How do you build a building? One brick at a time. How do you tear down a building? so that nobody notices one brick at a time. I want you to take note that this is one brick of a very large labor safety net within OSHA and within all the laws of the land that we as working men and women have. And this brick and another brick and another brick, and pretty soon... It goes back to the times that we're seeing in third-world countries, and we used to have here without these safety issues. So when you're considering your positions on matters in this arena, remember and that some folks are on the side of corporations and not working men and women And we admonish you not to vote against your own best interest. Please, just take a look at these things. We're not all that political. We try not to be, at least. I mean, but when these things are being done and they have little letters behind the names of people doing them, R or D, and there's some Ds out there that, you know, doing some bad stuff, too. But we have to really take a look at what we're doing, you know, in this regard. So that's about all I have on that one. I want to touch base real quick on Caterpillar. Uh, they finished up their voting at 7 p.m. Eastern at when the show started tonight, and they're counting their votes. And we've had somebody in the wings uh, watching to see if they've announced that yet. Looks like they're going to wait till after the end of the show. Uh, or you know, I mean, they got to vote. They got to count them, so it's not uh, necessarily tied to our show. But it's not going to happen until after that. And it's it's just right that it, that they take a couple hours to to count these votes. So we're not complaining. It's just just a matter of fact. Um, throughout the week, uh, we encourage uh, the uh, Caterpillar members to be able to review the tentative agreement because, like any contract, you should be able to, to read it in its entirety, see the changes. Anything that's going on should be able to be fully, fully informed on the issue of uh, what's in the agreement. And these labor agreements affect you a lot of times more than your mortgage or your house, uh, your uh, your automobile uh, uh a note, loan, or lease than, than anything else. I mean, this this is your wages, your hours of employment, and your working conditions. And effectively, the benefits for you and your family in addition to that. So you really got to know what's in these agreements when they negotiate them. We're not saying it's bad. We're not saying it's good. Know what's in them. Uh, and we encouraged if you didn't see the tentative agreement to please vote no. Now, that's all done, so we don't know how the vote came out. But we hope that people had the opportunity to see the tentative agreement. We didn't see it, and people that we talked to had not seen a tentative agreement. Some people don't know what they are, quite frankly, but, you know, that, uh, just the way it is. Uh, having said that, uh, evidently it's been reported that part of the tentative agreement between Caterpillar and United Auto Workers paves the way for the company's contemplated closure of its Aurora facility. On January 2nd, the same day negotiations started with the UAW, Caterpillar announced that it intended to close the Aurora facility where large and medium wheel loaders and compactors are made. Reportedly, that tentative agreement that's now before, before them includes a provision for 40 hours of severance pay for every year of service and benefit extensions for about 800 production workers in the Aurora facility. Oh, boy. If you have 10, well, let's just say you 12 years of seniority, you get 13 weeks of pay. Probably get some unemployment on top of that. Thirteen weeks of pay. That's not much. That's not much at all Uh, when you consider your whole career and it's just gone all of a sudden. Uh, As the Caterpillar information has been uh, uh, coming out, it was just brought to my attention just before the show that there's a new article or apparently uh, some new uh, article. Uh, I don't. I'm looking to see if they voted, and we don't have a response yet. So, uh, some new article on the CaterpillarUAW.org. This article talks about bargaining 101. I want to talk about this a little bit. Uh, the woman that authored this is named Bonnie Loria. She's a UAW retiree from Region 1D, former GM power t- train plant in Bay City, Michigan. From all indications, she never was elected to anything that we know of. She is part of a group of believe 5 including Earl Henry that were the class representatives in the VBA that took the health care away from GM, Ford, and Chrysler retirees, current retirees, not future retirees. And part of what she talks about here is mandatory subjects of bargaining. Well, because she doesn't know it, mandatory subjects of bargaining are in The Wagner Act, Section 8D, and this makes it uh, mandatory. Mandatory subjects of bargaining are wages, hours, and other terms and conditions of employment. You can find that in, uh, that would be USD uh, 29, Title 29, USD Section 158D, okay, typically called the Wagner Act, Act Section 8D. So that's the law that she tries to talk about and doesn't do a very good job of it. And these are, if you don't mandatory bar, do mandatory bargaining, it is an unfair labor practice. That's what this whole Section 158 is all about, unfair labor practice, by the company, and by the union. So remember that this person who's never been elected to dog catcher, other than a retiree group that she has in northern Michigan, and the woman that is called by others in her group, a bunch of of Judas goats, the the goats that lead the lambs to slaughter, did all of this to the retirees. She says that mandatory uh, uh, subjects of bargaining uh, come under the permissive subjects of bargaining. And subjects uh, On these subjects, the parties only negotiate if both agree. These include things like issues relating to current retirees, how a product will be manufactured or where it will be manufactured. Those are her words. What she doesn't tell you is there's a Supreme Court case ruling, 1971, that prohibits current active workers from negotiating for current retirees, that they may at some point negotiate for the benefit of the active workers to the disadvantage of the retirees. And she has now espoused that that's what they can do. She talks about how people lost the retirees. This is all the Detroit 3. It has nothing to do with Caterpillar, by the way. This is all Detroit 3 things, Detroit 3 being GM, Ford, and FCA, if you pressure of America so the idea that she thinks that you can take things away from retirees and that's a good thing in her eyes and so and she only talks about that they lost the uh, uh, Christmas bonus otherwise the Cola Protection Act or portion of the agreement at one point uh, there was a thousand dollars and in 2011, it was reduced to zero. And of course, profit sharing was increased for the actives in those workforces in equal amount. And now, you know, it's gone up because there's more profit. So uh, the other thing that she doesn't talk about is that in retirees used to get reimbursed for their Medicare payment that they made. All of the things that that retirees have lost is in a, a document that I made and it totals over $4,000. Now, there's a couple things we got back legal and we got full vision back and, and uh, uh, dental back pretty much in our large measure. So those uh, can be re- reduced from the 4000 but that's approximately six. Uh, Eight hundred dollars at forty-one fifty, so whatever that works out to, still in the middle of three thousands per year that they've taken from retirees since the VIBA's inception that she helped to put into place. This is the woman that's writing to you about GM, Ford, and Chrysler things on your Caterpillar page. Now, take a good look at what's in your agreement, because if that's coming out of her mouth on your page, be careful. It's only too bad that we just didn't see this until just before the show, and that's part of the reason I was a little tardy about 45 seconds. So um, this is a woman who is touting the corporate line of our corporate union and, and not doing a very good job of it, first of all. And secondly, the things she's talking about are not good for the membership of our union, active or retired, because all actives after two or before 2007 are just retirees in waiting, and it's a shame that the two after 2007 there's no health care or pension benefit in retirement for those current active workers. And we'll take a look at that at some point in the future. But has I have no idea why her Bargaining 101, Subjects of Bargaining. This is somebody that doesn't have the credentials to talk about this. I was in the VIVA. I am the uh, 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 intervening plaintiff to try and stop all this. That's what my title was in the courtroom as to my status in the courtroom. I was in every court hearing i never saw this woman ever in any one of the court hearings she put her name on a piece of paper because she was told to and they did exactly what they wanted to do she did not represent the class in my opinion in any way shape or form and when i talked to the, the law firm representing us as class as class they barely knew who she was. They knew her name, but they'd never seen her. Having said that, that's my report. Uh, I, I just re- wish that the uh, 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 Caterpillar workers get a good agreement, and that they voted their conscience when they did it. Hopefully, they were able to review it in, in its entirety, not just the highlights, because you're re- you're actually given that privilege. Under law and by our UAW Constitution, that's outlined in a document on workingforaliving.com. Uh, and uh, I believe that was posted around on Facebook as well so that you could refer to that. I want to thank each and every Caterpillar member uh, as you've tried to do this very difficult task in a very short time to review your agreement and make a vote on it uh, in a... Uh, a, uh informed vote on this uh, I hope you all had that opportunity I'm not hearing that From my sources So having said that, that's my report I'll ask Jeff, do you have anything, Jeff?
1: No, no, I don't
0: Okay David, do you have anything?
2: No, I'm perfectly right
0: Let me bring Dan back in here And see if Dan's got something to say on that Dan, you got anything on that? My report? Uh, could you hear me Yep, we can hear you.
3: Okay, yeah, I had just one comment to make uh, concerning that health and safety uh, resolution. Uh, The reason for that is that what they're trying to do is there are two types of insurers when it comes to workers' compensation, self-insured and third-party insured, okay? Well, what happens with your workers' compensation is when you report an injury, and it's filed, at the end of the year, every company is audited by the insurance company. And based upon that audit, their injuries, that modifies their experience modification losses. So what happens is by doing this, they can bring down their costs. Now, granted, it's going to be a big disadvantage to the worker, but they really don't care about that. They're trying to save the the businesses money so what happens okay six months they get rid of your files okay what happens when you go to file a workers comp case and you demand or you subpo- your attorney subpoenas for those those files or those reportings they're not there so yeah this is just entirely something to benefit the companies at the expense of the employee and that's all I had to say about that
0: Okay, thank you, Dan. Yeah. I want to give you the opportunity because you got a chance to talk to every, about everybody else's report. So, All right, with that, uh, let's uh, look at wrapping up our show this evening. We're about 13 minutes long, not bad. Uh, we're getting you a lot of information out here, folks. So I uh, want to remind you, if you found value in our show this evening, please tell just one more person. Uh, you know, you're working next to somebody. Say, hey, I heard this on the radio show. You ought to check it out from time to time. And you know, we appreciate the listeners that are coming in. The numbers are growing all the time. We really appreciate that. Thank you very much. Uh, you can catch us on. Uh, you can go to our uh, website, our dot com, workingforaliving.com, dot com, and you can pick up the uh, iTunes, Stitcher dot com, uh, Player FM, and of course our Blog Talk Radio. Dot com uh, as you find us on working for a living inside of those. A uh, shout-out to everyone around the world that's uh, particip- now participating in the show and, and listening to the show, um, our, me- our friends in Canada, our friends in Mexico, that we hope uh, we can raise your uh, standard of living down there and your wage base so you can become a consumer of the products that you build. That would be nice. Uh, and all of our friends around the nation – our UAW and other union friends. Uh, uh, we hope you enjoyed the show this evening. Shout out to every one of you. Thank you and good night, listeners. Stay safe for the coming week, and we hope you enjoyed the show. Good night, David, Jeff, Dan.
1: Right, we're right, right. Jeff, listeners. Yeah, Dan, night, guys. Good night.
0: Good night, everybody.